Woodstock, Deadheads, The Village, Kate Ashbury, Counterculture, Women's Lib, Karma, Enlightenment. <laughs> sound familiar or sound foreign? That's okay. Join us, the two old bogey yogis, as we reminisce, discuss our spiritual paths, and explore all things yoga, meditation, and more. Your hosts each week are Swami Yashokananda and Reverend Prem, who between us have nearly a hundred years of living La Vida Integral Yoga. And that's what makes us the two, two old bogey <laughs> so we thought we had wrapped up our discussions on the yamas, but there was more to talk about in relation to aparigraha, non-greed or grasping, from our prior episode that focused on that. In this episode, we get more deeply into what Patanjali means by not accepting gifts as well as our relationship with our bodies, all aspects of this yama. But first, we continue our discussion about trust. It's easy to trust when things are going our way, but what about when they're not? It's one thing to have that trust in the good. When the bad and the ugly come, oh man, that's when I think we have to, you know, if we have a moment to take a deep breath and say, whatever is unfolding here is for the good of the whole, including yeah. myself. Uh, and there's something I need to, there's some important lesson here for me. It feels really uncomfortable, but I got to relax physically. I've got to take a breath. I've got to see what's in front of me in a different way than this is a big threat. I got to get out of fight, flight, or freeze, you know? Yeah. In other words, uh, rather than a sympathetic response, how can I, I think that's what happens. Faith brings a parasympathetic nervous system back so that I can make use better, you know, clear, intelligent use of what's in front of me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that is really it. Mm -hmm. And so let's just try to summarize for listeners like some of the things that that we've talked about and people can actually try out in your life right so one of the greatest things is and i know during the pandemic a lot of people were doing it downsizing decluttering right marie condoing your place <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so um and then being clear about your wants how they differ from your needs be aware of being discontent, that tendency to be discontent or endless wishing things were a different way. Be vigilant about your desires because they can lead you into the, that cycle of desire, aversion, desire. It's like a, what do they call it? Like a um, vicious cycle. Well, yeah, a vicious yeah. cycle and like a hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I had that picture also, yeah. Yeah. Be watchful of accumulating just because you want to have things. Appreciate and cherish what you have. Mm, that's a good one. And let go of the fear of losing it. Remember, good enough stories about yeah. You, you're like perfectly fine. Then one day you walk past the store, you see this beautiful piece of jewelry. So you're fine before you see the jewelry and suddenly it's like, 
Ooh, that looks real. Oh, I would love to. I've always wanted, but no, can't afford it. Don't really need it. Let me walk on. But then the <laughs> coming up again and again in your mind and you're like, and then next is, thing is you know, there any way. Yeah. 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 Any way I could possibly pull this off. And then you find yourself in the store buying the piece of jewelry. You started off being level balanced. Then you went into the excitement oh look at that isn't that nice aha then you go down i wish i could have it i can't okay never mind but then you want and want and want you're in that desire but i shouldn't i want i should have and then you get it and now suddenly you feel so good mm -hmm. you're getting compliments oh where'd you get that that is beautiful and you're like yeah look at me yeah. <laughs> you feel oh, oh, it's, no, it's nothing it's nothing you know? <laughs> <laughs> little something up the yeah. <laughs> and then you start noticing oh my gosh well where did i put that i i can't find it i misplaced it oh my god what if i lost it what if somebody stole it uh -huh. and then you find you're like so relieved but then you know this really was a lot of money. Maybe I should put it in the safe. Maybe I should only wear it on special occasions. Now you're in the whole thing of you've moved from appreciating it. So, okay, there's nothing wrong with having things, but now you're in that whole thing of like, you're stuck mm -hmm. in this fear cycle of losing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just like all of these things. Also, the other aspect of, of, of that story is that you were okay then you created a wave, then you the wave crested, and now you're just okay again. All you did was go back to your original state. <laughs> Before you saw the jewelry, you were walking down the street happy, contented. <laughs> now you, you sat it, you bought it, and for a moment you're you're back until the next wave comes. You know? Yeah. Now, now I have to hide this thing from others. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. So that's oh. a good. That was a very good uh, list of, of things. Let me just think if I if I have one that I can think of that. Yeah. I mean, the one that comes to mind. The example I gave is okay. I'm eating the ice cream. I'm enjoying it, and I'm realizing that it's going to be. It's it hits me that it's going to be over soon, and I still something's still missing. Yeah, and to be very conscious of of how fear is coming into pleasure mm. how the fear of it of losing it or the fear of it being over yeah uh, or some feeling that uh it's temporary recognition of the temporariness can we make the temporary like you said beautifully can we make the temporariness okay and even a good thing uh, but to, to do all of this i think you need to have some spiritual wealth you have to have you have to have a soul bank account yeah. otherwise it's just conceptual and i don't think you can pull it off no and i think it's really where spiritual practice and yeah. really contemplating these deep teachings again and again and again a deep deep reflection and contemplation of them is what's going to really help to almost in a sense pradipaksha bhavana the old ideas and habits, mental grooves of thinking that 
holding on to something is going to make it is going to imbue it somehow with permanence. Mm-hmm. I remember there's this great story that Jack Cornfield tells about his mm. teacher, Ajahn Shah, mm. who was once saying something about a teacup. It was a teacup or a mug. And he was noticing that some of his students were sort of being very kind of clinging onto their mugs. <laughs> and he pointed, I used it as a teaching tool one time to say, I look at my teacup and I already see it as broken. Mm. You all are clinging and trying to not break your cups. I already see mine as broken. And they're like, why? And he said, because it's going to break. That's the nature. Everything is going to fall apart at some point. So why not already understand that that is the nature of everything in the material world and our bodies and be okay with that and enjoy enjoy the cup that's unbroken and enjoy the broken cup. So powerful. Yeah, I, I, I'm already dead. I'm already, forget about the cup. Yeah. <laughs> this, this physical body I'm in is already, uh, I, can, I can see the cracks starting. So it's not, <laughs> it's, that's not gonna be a shock, you know? It's not like I dropped the cup. Uh, no, no, this body is giving me signs that it's impermanent. Yeah. Uh, can I see that? And is that fine? Uh, oh yeah, I'm not gonna be in this body for long. Uh, I think if you get that, part of uh, a parigraha, not to cling to that, you've gone pretty deep into this understanding. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. And there's so many other aspects we could get into, but just to name even a few more things for people to chew on as food for thought, uh, like not allowing praise mm. or blame to hold space in your mind. It's like, what is holding space in your mind? Mm, wow. Yeah, con- idea. Holding on to holding on to what people think about you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like I mean, that. that's a type of greediness. Oh, everyone does that, right? Yeah. 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 So with praise, with blame, with ideas. Oh, that's my idea. Mm-hmm. That's you stole my, my idea. Yeah. yeah, you stole my idea. Or, but even holding on to ideas and concepts and an idea of reality that just no longer serves you, just because. Mm. You know, kind of used to that. Mm. Feels more familiar. That's what my mommy, daddy taught me. Uh, That's what I know. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I think it's anything that we're clinging to, anything we're holding too tightly. It's like doing inventories periodically, just like it's good to clean out closets, right? Or clean out your chest of drawers it's like clean out your mind <laughs> from things that you just cling to that just really no longer serve yeah to be able to identify that is such a beautiful practice yeah yeah so i think let's also just touch on these two other aspects that we were talking about one is this idea aparigraha is also associated with not receiving gifts and that like we said confusing But I think the basic teaching was the idea that if you receive a gift from someone, and we're talking about material gifts, depending on who the giver is and what the intention, we see it a lot in the business world, in politics, 
the quid pro quo, I give you this with the expectation you give me something back. And so it creates this energetic bond that maybe can become not so good. It can yeah, be- You lose your neutrality. Uh, now I'm, I'm expected to, to see the person in a certain way. I owe him something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the core of what Patanjali was talking about in terms of not accepting gifts. It's creating a web between you and the, and the giver where you can't see things objectively anymore. Yeah. Then you've lost something precious to you. And that gift is problematic. Uh, yeah, we see this in relationships all the time. What mm-hmm. are the unspoken contracts that often come in the form or disguise of a gift? Mm-hmm. And it's not to say you should never accept a gift. It's just understand what the gift is coming with. What's the vibration? What's the unwritten, unspoken contract of that, if there is one? And also to help you. So because if you're constantly accepting things, I guess, also from people, that can can also sort of fuel greediness. Hey, Mm. I came to see you. Wait, what happened? You, You came to see me. I invited you over. You didn't bring me anything. Mm-hmm. I guess you could look at it in that way as well. And then there's the story that Gurudev tells about when he was in Sri Lanka and he was traveling through different parts of the country and it was recommended that he get a car. It was hard for him to get around. So they started raising money for Gurudev to have a car and Someone said, why does a Swami need a car? All right, I guess I should give something, uh, but I don't really think it's he should have a car. Gurdjieff found out and said, give that man back. For my own safety, give the man back, because some that, that money will buy some piece of the car, and that piece will be faulty because of the energy he's giving it. Wow, that is so, yeah. that is a really, really good point, too. Yeah, yeah. Because the energy with which it's given is going is coming with a vibration that's going to have some effect. And Gurudev said he would that really happened. And he did that. They returned the money to the man mm-hmm. and said, Thank you. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So many yeah. times that's why Gurudev even said when people play the lottery, if they win, yeah, it seems like good for them. How does it harm anyone? He said the vibration of that money is all built on the people who lost. (laughs) Yeah. They all lost the lottery. You won all their hard earned money. They're going to be crying. They may even be in a tough situation because they took their rent money Mm -hmm. or some food money or whatever it was thinking I'm going to win this. They lose and you win, you have their loss, their tears, their sorrow, their suffering. Yeah, yeah. There is a vibration to that money. Oh, that's always been such a hard teaching for me because it seems so appealing, especially when the lottery gets way (laughs) up there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy, that seems, uh, but 
I always remember him saying that. Yeah. And, and even, for me, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to say, even if I'm thinking, I could do so much good with this money. <laughs> right. You know, no, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for me, this thing about gifts is uh, is mostly for me personally. I really want to be careful about when I offer something. Mm. Am I am I offering it? What's the energy behind my offering it? Is there some ego behind it? Is it really coming from a pure place? I think that's mostly what I'm concerned about. Uh, uh, I will check if someone's offering me something. I will, you know, make sure it's coming from the right place. Uh, as a Swami, people do offer me things. And mostly I, I totally trust that it's like coming from love and care and they're not expecting anything from me. Uh, nothing more than I, I normally would offer anybody. They're not expecting any special relationship. And even, you know, they, they feel that they're getting something from me. So they actually feel that it's, it's not really a gift. It's a, I'm not asking anything, uh, but they feel obligated that, oh, no, I should give something uh, back. I'm receiving something, you know. Yeah. So that, but when I'm offering something, I do I do carry around uh, dollar bills when I won't go outside. In New York, there's always some homeless person. Uh, and I watch as I give it, you know, what what energy am I giving that money with? Or if I'm serving someone here, what is the energy behind it? I think it's important to, to look at your own the energy behind what we're offering. Well, that's beautiful. I think, yeah. and I've, I've seen that with you in action because I remember once I wanted to give you something and you mm. really, it wasn't that you didn't want to receive it, but you said, wait a second, you don't have, <laughs> okay. Money. you know, you're a, you're a fellow sadhu seeker like me. Yeah. I'm not going to take, thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was really impressed by that. Okay, I'm glad. I don't know whether I don't remember it, but yeah. I'm glad I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was the second? What was the second thing that we wanted to cover? Oh, so the second thing that we wanted to talk about was the second part of this sutra, mm. in which it says, "A thorough when non greed is confirmed." So, in mm. other words, you have mastered this yama. You're embodying this yama. Mm -hmm. What happens? A thorough illumination of the how and why of one's birth comes, mm. which seems at first blush. What the heck could that be? The how and why of my birth. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you're established in non-greed. Now you know why you're born. Well, okay. Here's Gurudev's explanation. Okay. When the mind becomes this calm and clear, by being free of desires and mm -hmm. obligations. So mm -hmm. that's touching into the gift receiving right. part. Right. Okay. We gain the capacity to see how our desires caused our present birth. Wow. We directly see the cause and effect relationship because we're detached from it. We're no longer bound up with it. And then we see what caused our present birth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like on a precipice, you can see now clearly the how things unfolded. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. And Dr. Bryant, Dr. Edwin Bryant, who we often quote here during this right. podcast, right. Uh, in his teaching on this sutra, he also mentioned that Many yogis, he said, even including Buddha, make this claim. 
about being able to understand your past lives when your mind becomes so calm and clear and not caught up in this desire aversion situation. And they, he said, they also make this claim that we take a subtle body and the Atman, pure consciousness from birth to birth. The subtle body is every imprint of every past life in the chitta, that mind stuff. And all that gets covered by tamas in the new birth and only the samskaras that need to express for karmic reasons come out in the current birth. Mm, I like that. Yeah. So you can see the how and why of this birth, what, what some scars I need to face in this. I can't face them all in one birth, but which are the ones I need to face in this birth, the how and the why. Right. And it's also, there's another aspect that, that we have missed and maybe we could just briefly mention it, which is another thing associated with the Paragraha, which I just remembered is non-clinging to the body. So non-greed in the form of non-clinging to the body, meaning someone practicing this is not spending their life getting plastic surgery, buying makeup and doing all the manscaping, womanscaping, not that you can't do some of those things, but just overly invested. Everything in your life is about how you look mm -hmm. to others, right? Mm -hmm. Just constant dissatisfaction with how you look, with your weight, your figure, your muscles, your... <laughs> Whatever it is, continually putting on what eventually becomes your mask in the mm -hmm. world, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just like a preoccupation with how the body looks and conforming to some standard of perfect beauty or manliness or whatever you want to call it. So there is also this passage in the sutras that says, regard the body as this foul smelling mm. filled with like pus <laughs> and excrement and all of these foul things to help you to get more in line with what the truth is about these bodies. And the truth is that they're a beautiful container for the soul spirit, however you want to call it for our essence nature. And at the same time, if you really like dissect a body, <laughs> I remember when I, I had my, um, gallbladder removed the mm -hmm. surgeon said would you like to look at that mm -hmm. and i couldn't look at it but a friend who had gone to the hospital with me said i'd like to see it uh -huh. and it was the way she described it was like so disgusting uh -huh. 
So yeah, it's, I think it's why also you see in the days of yore, the sadhus would go through the cremation grounds and looking at the dead bodies and smearing their bodies with, you know, uh, with all kinds of ash and dirt and mud and making the point that don't get obsessed with how the body looks on the outside because that's not going to help you in the long run and realize that's only perpetuating body identification. Now that doesn't mean don't take care of your body, bathe, take care of it, put on some nice things. It's just what's the level that we cling to the body and how it looks. That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a sad thing uh, for people to who are so invested in in their looks when eventually they they do fade. You know, even I feel I see I have wrinkles now, gray grayness, and my muscles getting a little bit more flabby. And I go, oh no! <laughs> but, it's just down the drain. From here. <laughs> yeah, it's all downhill from here, but. Uh, uh, like you say, you know, do what you can to keep it in good shape. Right. We don't want to neglect it, but right. not to like adore it or make <laughs> yeah. it the main focus. Oh, I can't go out because I don't have this quite <laughs> this or that. There's Bad just hair day. Yeah. <laughs> so much body consciousness in our world, right? Especially in the Western world, just so much body obsession, even in yoga. Mm -hmm. yeah that's true yeah i'm going to practice yoga so i can sculpt my body the way yeah. that i want mm -hmm. uh okay fine you want to have a healthy nice looking body no problem mm -hmm. it's just how much of your mental energy how much of your day is spent just obsessed with that yeah so it's another example of just clinging to something yeah. that's impermanent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it'll eventually, you're going to pay the price for that. Yeah. Yes. So I think we've really given <laughs> a lot to think about. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and will join us again for next week's episode. Please do follow and subscribe to the podcast via SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and other apps. For more information about everything Integral Yoga, you can go to IntegralYoga.org. Om Shanti.